morning, everyone. We had uh, a Jizoban ceremony. Uh, I think of it as sort of the good Jizo ceremony yesterday. Uh, Jizo is the archetypal energy of uh, determination, of vow, protection, of guidance in the spiritual path. And every August, uh, approximately this time of the year, we do Jizoban, which is a, a little bit of a fun time for families, but it also has a very uh, rich meaning. So that's one thread we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Jesus' vows a little bit. Another thread I'd like to talk about just a moment for a moment <coughs> is one of our members, Sojin, sent me a, um, a YouTube link of a uh, concerto opus 8 in A major by Fernandino Ruli, which is a guitar, he was a guitar uh, composer, and it was done by Edison Lopez. Now, I don't know that, I can't really tell the difference between middle C and high Q, you know, they're, my, my, I don't have much of an ear, but this was absolutely astounding piece of music. And so it made me think yesterday, looking at our events that we did yesterday and looking at this particular uh, performance, made me begin to think about respect. So, respect, uh, the dictionary says, um, the condition of being honored, esteemed, or respected, or well-regarded, held in esteem, person who has earned high regard, um, or to show an attitude of admiration or esteem, or to think highly of, or to respect judgment, or even a courteous expression. feeling of friendship and esteem, courteous regard for people's feelings, to regard highly, to think much of, to respect judgment, to praise creativity, etc. So I was thinking of this particular um, um, thinking of Jizo, thinking of the vows, and then looking at this particular performance and thinking, boy, part of the element of respect is if we have done something ourselves, if we have worked really hard at something and we see somebody else who also has done that and taken a step or two beyond that, then we have a sense of respect for them. If we've been a, an athlete uh, and we can run so fast and somebody else can run so much faster and we know what was involved with them running so much faster, or we are uh, composing something and we know our, our rudimentary level and we see somebody else who, who can do the same thing but take it more, there's a kind of respect that comes from that. That the respect is comes out of our direct experience of we've tried this, we've done this, we've really exerted ourselves. We've tried raising children, and we see somebody who actually raised successful children, we think, oh my goodness, you know, how much respect do they have? Or the Dalai Lama, you know, we've all tried to hold equanimity. And then we see the Dalai Lama holding equanimity even though his country has been a victim of genocide. We think, oh my goodness. The, the awe of somebody able to hold their state of mind in that way. The awe that comes from, I've, I've, I've tried doing Sishin. I know how hard Sishin is. And I see somebody who's actually able to you know, do it uh, on their own for weeks on end. That's a kind of respect that comes from that because you know how difficult it is. 
So I think that when we really understand ourselves, we've tried something, we know how difficult it is, and we see somebody else who's done the same thing and gone further, there's a natural feeling of respect and appreciation for that. Thank you. Last, last week, Chosen started talking, and she got excited and talked for an hour and a half, something like that. So Kitchen asked us not to do that today. Harada Roshi, when we would go to session with him, especially when he was younger, he would get started talking, doing a Tay He'd completely forget about the time, and he would talk for three straight hours. And, you know, you're just sitting there for three hours. Uh, it was, that, was, that was an extreme, but that's definitely a challenge. You have a lot of respect for somebody who can talk for three straight hours. <laughs> It's hard, it's hard to do. You know, he has to really know the Dharma and know his own mind very, very, very intimately to do that. So this feeling of sometimes in this particular generation, they talk about people have no respect. And sometimes I think it comes out of people haven't really tried something, haven't really, really, really tried hard and really seen how difficult something can be. And then see people who are actually able to take it the next step. Well, yesterday we did a ceremony of Jizo's vows uh, last night at the end of the Jizo ceremony. And Jizo, uh, Kasitigarbha is the Sanskrit name. Jizo is the Japanese name. Dizang Bosa is the uh, uh, Chinese, my crude pronunciation of that. And Jizo is archetypally a monk. And of all of the icons, you know, the archetypal energies, archetypal energies, it was a word that uh, C.G. Jung uh, coined. Not, I don't know if he coined it, but C.G. Jung used a lot in his, his uh, psychology and his first laying out of psychology. And he said archetypal patterns are patterns that um, are found throughout the human condition, found throughout human cultures, that are typical patterns of behavior, typical patterns of uh, thought. So the hero, the hero of a thousand faces, as Joseph Campbell says, is a, is a hero that's found in every culture. A hero who will step forward, who in, embodies noble uh, aspiration, who protects and helps people, who does the undoable, who you know, uh, takes on the un, unchallenged, is an archetype that is, every culture has it. Well, in this, in another arch, there are many other archetypes, but one other archetype is that archetype of a monk, uh, archetype of a monk priest. Well, Jesus represents the archetype of a monk priest, the archetype, the archetypal energy, the energy that's found in every culture, or uh, one way or another, of people who have devoted their lives to the religious quest, who have done their best to, inadequately as human beings are, to exemplify and have as the forefront of their intention to see deeply into the nature of things and be a benefit to other people. Uh, and in this case, uh, the traditional priest-monk archetype has to do with the transcendent. So there are people who are servers, um, and that's another archetype, the, 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 the universal or the, the, the good servant is an archetype. The, the spiritual leader, the king, not, not the spiritual leader, but the king is an archetype, uh, etc. But the monk is, the priest, is somebody who looks into the transcendental, that which is beyond the personality, that which is timeless, that which is, is bigger than the temporary vicissitudes of life, bigger, bigger than the exigencies that catch us on a day-to-day -day basis. 
and sees what is transcendent and then does their very best to both rest in that, know that, embody that, offer that, inspire people to also know that. So traditionally in, uh, in the iconography of Jizo Bodhisattva, he's represented as a monk, a monk with a staff and a, a jewel in his hand, jewel of the Dharma, jewel of wisdom. But the essential piece is in the six realms of existence, in all the different realms of existence, Jizo is able to go into every realm. So the six realms of existence are, there's the human realm, which we all know, and then we can look at this either as real places or we can look at them as states of mind. But there is also a state of mind of addiction, of hunger and desire, unsatisfied hunger, the, the preta realm, the realm of, of craving, the realm of uh, addiction, is one of the realms of existence. There's an animal realm, a realm where uh, beings who are in the animal realm don't understand about causation. They don't understand about everything we do has an effect. Everything that happens has a cause. So cause and effect is a, a, a part and parcel of an intelligent human being's life. Well, the animal realm, people don't understand uh, causation, or animals don't understand causation. You know, you know how hard it is to teach a dog to, to come, and if you stop rewarding the dog, then <clears throat> they will often forget, forget their basic training. So the animal realm is a realm of sex, of desire for food, comfort, sleep, without understanding causal relationships. Then there's the hellish realms, the realms that we read about all the time in the newspapers, um, which can be either realms that are just unmitigated suffering, realms of uh, despair and darkness, of violence, of war, of everything being you know, beaten and raped and killed and dismembered which are very real realms. We can see them in this world. Or it can be the state of mind. There are humans who we all have met who, who have the elixir of suffering they have swallowed and who are just suffering, 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 so deeply suffering. And it really doesn't matter what circumstance they're in. They are just so deeply suffering. And then there are the other realms of existence, the human realm, the realm I think of as the realm of aggressive business people. Um, uh, because it's a realm that they have a lot of comfort, they have a lot of, uh, of uh, good qualities, but it's a realm of great competition, of great, you know, there's always a feeling of inadequacy. I just have to beat or overcome or be, it's considered the realm of the jealous gods is the traditional way. Uh, that there's filled with jealousy and envy. And if I just had more, if I just had more, if I just had more, and they're working so hard to get, get more, and they're competing and you know, trying to... But they also have a lot of attributes, have a lot of wonderful things going on. So I, that's why I think there's the realm of aggressive, dissatisfied business people. Uh, then there's a, a heavenly realms. And the heavenly realms, again, we've all touched those. Realms of music and light, realms of ease, realms of spaciousness, realms of brightness, realms of of uh, clarity um, that are just satisfying in and of themselves. Well, the nature of all realms of existence is, of course, they're impermanent. Things keep shifting. So we're in a really dark and, and, and hellish place, but that changes. We're in a really bright, light, even place that changes. So right now, we are in a heavenly realm right here. You know, nice clean water, peace, lovely circumstances lovely surroundings, 
you know, we are so, so, so fortunate. <clears throat> so the basic teaching is if you're really fortunate, appreciate your fortune. Really appreciate it, because it will change at some point. Well, the Jizo, the archetypal, archetypal image of Jizo is of a monk who can go into all the six realms of existence, who can go into the really difficult realms, who can go into the, the business realms, who can go into the human realms, who can work with animals, who can go work with addictions, who can work with all the different realms of existence. And how can they work with the realm of existence? Because they, they understand the transcendental. They understand what is at the core of all things. You know, there are things that are at the core of all the different realms of existence. There is a spacious, bright, even state of mind that is the core, that all things arise from it. And sometimes we talk about it being prajnaparamita, the, 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 the boundless potential that everything has to arise from the great mystery, to arise from the great source, all the realms of existence. Well, because Jizo Bodhisattva knows and lives at this transpersonal, transcendental, fundamental truth, they can take with equanimity wherever they, whatever circumstance they find themselves in. They can take with equanimity and go forward and um, practice and be a benefit. And how are we a benefit? The way that we're primarily of benefit with people is, you know, we can do, we're called, some of us are called to do different specific things, to offer this particular gift of a food or offer this particular gift of teaching or to help somebody up or to, you know, clean them or feed them. That's wonderful. That's great. But the way that we can actually help on a different level is by our presence and by the presence and state of mind that we bring and hopefully can help other people touch. So if we have some deep confidence and experience in the transpersonal, and we can talk to people and say, this is not in me. This is your foundation. This is you. Your foundation is not that of a broken you know, stick. Your foundation is of the great mystery of all things. You can touch that. You can awaken to that. Your life has meaning. Your life is rich. Your life is special. Your life is a great gift. And if we can bring that teaching to people, and so they, uh, they appreciate their own life, their own unique thing, that's a wonderful gift. And that's, that's part of the, the teaching of Jizo Bodhisattva. Part of the reason that he can go into all these realms of existence. Because as soon as we change our view, our realm begins to change. You know, we have these fixed ideas about how we are and how the world is. And when those fixed ideas are lived out, that's the way the world is, that's the way we are. But as soon as we begin to touch that which is not fixed, as soon as we begin to touch that which is bright, transcendent, present, the world begins to shift. People's lives begin to shift. The inherent creativity that is a part of all of our being, because we are created moment to moment, begins to come forth. And given our particular circumstances, can become the field of benefaction. So, the ceremony that we did yesterday, infused with the great benevolence of Kasidigarbha Bodhisattva, protector of all that is born from the earth. May I welcome everything that comes towards me with a warm and undefended heart. Everything is our karma. Everything is result of causes and conditions that we have put into motion. We are here, not because we just happen to be here. We are here because we actually chose to come here. Each person here actually made the choice to show up here. 
Each person actually made the choice to support this place or to practice or to be kind. Or, and so to make the choice to meet our particular karma in life with a warm and undefended heart means that we are no longer battling. We're no longer battling our own life. We're no longer battling our own karma. That's part of the vow that we take as Jesus Bodhisattva to embrace our life, to embrace the life that we have shaped, easy, hard. There's something to be learned from it. Infused with the great determination of Kasiti Garba, protector of all that is born from the earth, may I walk the path of enlightenment, dissolving all obstructions and never turning back. Harada Roshi, the teacher that Chosen and I have worked with for decades, he says that, that when you are um, practicing, you never turn away. Never turn away. And what that means is you don't turn away from the experience of your own life. You don't run from the experience of your own life. So those of you who practice in this particular tradition, in the Zen tradition, we have one of the, the ways that we teach here is we say, sit still. Come in the Zendo, we sit for these hours, sit still. Sit still and be willing to feel all that comes. The emotional stuff that comes, the thoughts that come, the body sensations that come. Be willing to feel it all, experience it all, embrace it all. Be aware of it all. Don't run from any of it. It's one of the ways that we practice with that. Don't, don't turn away. Now, of course, what we all tend to do, something comes up, we don't like it, and we start freezing. Tight. I don't like that. And we get ourselves so tight. But to not turn away, but to actually relax and open up to our own direct experience is part of the vow of Garba. The point I was going to get to is the very bottom, the one that always gives me chills, the one that I, we, we, we say this, and people, I think, say this perhaps a little too blithely, but it says, may I enter, gladly enter every hell realm, guiding myself and everyone to liberation. The vow to actually enter whatever circumstances that we have, even very difficult circumstances, even hellish realms, is, fills me with uh, trepidation. Uh, because it, it's a genuine vow. It's a genuine aspiration to be a benefit. But it's something that's just uh, overwhelming. If I think of the circumstances out there, to, to actually be willing, at, even at some intellectual level, be willing to go into those circumstances is scary, really scary. It requires courage to even to say those words to me. And so I have great respect. I have great respect for anyone who has done that, anyone who has taken their life and made steps to make their life genuine, who's gone into difficult places, who's been a benefit to other people, and hard as that is, and there's lots of ways that it can be, to have really deep respect for the challenges of the human condition and those who keep trying to meet these challenges, meet these challenges. And of course, in our particular tradition, the most exemplar of all respect is the Buddha. The Buddha who faced all the demons. The Buddha who faced uh, and worked with a whole culture. You know, so many of the great spiritual leaders got killed. But the Buddha was actually skillful enough that he didn't, you know, he didn't create lots of uh, opposition. He dealt with opposition very skillfully. That he faced his, his own mind and he faced and helped countless beings, countless disciples. And knowing how hard it is just to work with my own mind, how hard it is to work with a few very kind and generous people, 
I have so such deep respect for the Buddha and for his um, insight and wisdom, what he must have gone through in order to open up a teaching that has lasted for 2,500 years. Well, one of the little droplets that's in this stream, one of the little droplets of the archetype of a priest or a monk, is the path of ordination. And so the Buddha is, say, the ocean. Well, there are lots of little droplets. And little droplets eventually go from the rain to the creeks to the streams to the rivers to the ocean. And so I feel like anybody who starts on the spiritual path and says, this is a spiritual path I will follow. This is a, I will know the transcendent. I will take these steps. I will make these commitments. I will walk this path is a little drop that goes into the, into the great rushing torrent that leads to the ocean of wisdom. And one of the ways that we do that in this particular tradition, uh, we have uh, people who take Jukai, who have the, the bib which takes the, one of the five precepts. The, we have the, the, the um, Jukai, which is Gisaraksu, a bib. Then we have ordination. And so taking a step of ordination where you say, okay, I will live and practice this particular way. I will follow this stream. I will do my best to not turn away. I will do my best to to serve, even though it may not be easy, even though it might not be so, um, uh, you know, with my my more... um, self-centered views might not be so the way I, there's easier ways of living than this. To take that step is, I think, a very, very vital and very important step. And I feel like anybody who's actually taken the step of ordination, who's gone through the the years of postulancy, who's been ordained, who becomes a Dharma holder, who becomes a Dharma heir, who actually ends up teaching, um, is a vital and valuable archetypal path this culture, and frankly, one that is sadly lacking in our culture. So today we have a little, a little um, droplet of, uh, of this path is going to happen. We have a little droplet of uh, vow uh, on the path of ordination, and we're going to be doing a ceremony of uh, taking postulants for ordination in just a few minutes. But every little droplet of water eventually becomes the ocean. And so we have to just keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. So in this particular tradition, part of the reason this whole community is supported and sustained is because there have been people who have said, this is really important. I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to step forward. And we've had a number of people over the course of the years who have done that. And I hope we have more in the future that do that. Because it is a, an offering and a gift that is touches the transcendental in oneself, but also offers that to many, many, many other people. So I think these ceremonies are very, very important and um, should be, uh, have a certain respect. Uh, We should have a certain respect for them.